0: Okay, So the title of the sermon is going to make it sound like a couple's conference, but it's not, not that this wouldn't help you in your marriage, but the title is called Enjoying Your Honey. Enjoying Your Honey, that's the title, and my favorite author, F. W. Borum, uh, ministers to my spirit when I read his devotionals and I hadn't read one in about six months and I thought I'm time to pick one up so I pulled one out uh, earlier this week and this is the thought that he brought across I won't be able to convey it the way he brought it across I had to write it in my own words but the truth was just so profound and such a blessing I put the book down and said no more I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is so good. It's honey. I don't, want, I don't need any more. So, uh, <clears throat> but he used this text, and I love the way he intros his devotions. Anyways, having said all of that, I wanted to give him credit. You'll meet him in heaven, and uh, you can thank him if it was a blessing. If you're able to stand, let's look at verse 16 Proverbs 25, verse 16. Been on my mind all week. I could probably quote it, but here we go. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. This is gonna be fun. We're gonna have a good time tonight. I mean, anytime you've got vomit in a passage, it could get lively. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we pray that you bless the service. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts through your word. Help us to be attentive to your voice. And I pray that you would lead in all things. I need your help. I am thankful, Lord Jesus, for the honey you have provided. You have blessed us beyond measure. We ought to be an extremely grateful people. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Ghost would do a work in us that uh, would help us to bring greater honor and glory to you. I pray, Father, that the Lord Jesus would be manifest in our lives in a greater degree this year than last year. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 25, hast thou found honey? Eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith, and vomit. That is the class memory verse for this week. So I'm reading this book, and I, I realize as I'm reading this devotional thought, this is exactly what I need. This was a devotion that I needed in my Christian life. Uh, <clears throat> let's consider this idea of Honey. Uh, John the Baptist liked to mix his locusts with honey, probably helped them taste better, took the, took the juice out, and maybe it made his honey crunchy, you know, so. Uh, King Saul's son Jonathan, at a time when the soldiers were hungry, they hadn't eaten in a while, and, and Saul had uh, made a covenant with the men, we're not going to eat until we get victory, and Jonathan had, did not hear the word. And they're walking through the woods, and they happen to walk through a woods where there's a lot of honey. And since Jonathan didn't hear about this vow that his dad made, he took his his sword, dipped it in the honey, stuck it in his mouth. And the Bible says his eyes was open, and he was refreshed, felt energized. David said this about honey. He compares it to the Word of God, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. But when we read this passage, ladies and gentlemen, when we read this passage, uh, the thing that we need to understand is... Honey represents the sweet things that can be beneficial to us. Now, don't miss that thought. Honey represents the sweet things in life that, that can be, I say can be, beneficial to us. Okay, there, there's, there's a lot of honey out there. And by the way, God is not a killjoy. God wants His people to enjoy life. All right, I'm not preaching to Joel Olstein, but the reality is this: God wants us to be able to laugh. God wants us to smile. God wants us to be happy people. As a matter of fact, Psalms 144 says, "Happy are the people whose God is the Lord." I've asked somebody asked somebody that before. Are you happy? No. Well, God must not be your Lord. You know, I don't. I'm messing with people, but. uh, the fact is, God is concerned about him, our emotional state, and he, he wants us as Christians to it, look like people who enjoy life. We enjoy life. And certainly God has provided a lot for us here to enjoy. You can't deny it. So, uh, Borum actually tells the story like this. He, he begins all of his devotions with uh, some type of... Uh, record of him running into somebody or somebody running into him on this per- particular occasion there was a, a knock on his door on a on a, a cool winter evening his family happened to be gone he was there by himself hoping to get some nice reading in and just enjoy the evening alone and bang 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 on the door he opens the door and it's a young preacher from the next town over and he thought "Wow, well, you look out of sorts everything all right and the young preacher looked at him and said uh, Brother Borum uh, I, I need some counsel we have a lot of young people in our church and they're they're lively and I don't want to come across as a killjoy I, I need a scripture I need a scripture that I I feel like that could help them would you have any advice and that's about all Borum says about the situation and Borum Tells him this. He says, well, You know, I got a verse for you. And he alludes to Proverbs 29, 25, verse 16 Hast thou found honey? Eat so much is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomited. The young man looked at the verse. He said, You know, that's it. That's it. And he walked out, and that was it. And they shook hands. And, and Borum goes on to say this I don't know what he did with the verse, but I know what I would have done with the verse. Because the verse presents three concerns. Three concerns. Number one, authenticity. Is it really honey? Hast thou found honey? Uh, number two, restraint. Eat so much is sufficient for thee. Number three, excess. Lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. And I'm reading that thinking, close the book. I need to think this over. And so I have. And I just had to share it with you. I shared it with my wife immediately. But let's consider some things here. First, hast thou found honey? You know, there are a lot of sweet things in life that are not good for us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, tells us about the decision Moses made while he was a prince in Egypt. He he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now listen, let's face it. Sin is pleasurable or people wouldn't be doing it, right? There is a pleasure to sin. There is a temptation. There's an appeal to our our nature to sin, or people wouldn't have a problem with it. Come on now. But just because there's pleasure in it, just because it looks sweet, smells sweet, may even taste sweet, the end result is death. It's not the kind of honey God wants us to enjoy. We need to ask ourselves is it honey? You see, God has given us a lot of honey. He wants us to enjoy it. But the thing we need to ask ourselves, first of all, first of all, is it honey? Is it authentic honey? Hey, Eve, I know that fruit looks good. It's obvious. It's got an appeal, and it's got sustaining appeal, so to speak. And it's got a temptation to it, but Eve, I'm telling you, that's not honey. Hello? You may be familiar with this other fellow named Achan, and that is a, quite a handle for his situation. Achan. I mean, that says more than what we initially read, since he was stoned to death. Achan goes into Jericho the walls are down. Did I turn this on? Is this on? And we good to go? He goes into Jericho. God has crushed the walls, and they're, they're, uh, they're conquering the people, and they were told not to take of any of the spoils. But Achan looked over at some of the wealth of Jericho, and it looked like honey. Oh, and Sometimes keeping back that tithe looks like honey. But you better ask yourself, is it really honey? Is it really honey? Now, old Lot, you know Lot. He finally got liberated from Abraham. Go whatever way you want. Lot, I'll go the other way. You can choose whatever direction you want. You can choose the best watered plains, whatever direction. I'm going to go the other way because we need to have peace, Lot. And Lot, the Bible says, chose the well-watered plains of Egypt. Looked like honey. It looked like honey. But you and all, I know the rest of that story, right? I don't have time to go into all that story. Genesis 19, 18 and 19 will tell you that story. That was not honey. Oh, we can go through our Bible. David, uh, number one, you should have went to battle that day, but you were enjoying the honey of delegation. I mean, you have come to the pinnacle of your uh, power as a king, and you didn't really have to go to battle in your mind because you have good help. And so you stayed home, you slept in, you got up, and you walked around, you saw something you shouldn't have been looking at. You thought it was honey. And David, it's going to cost you your joy. It's going to cost you your relationship with God. And it's going to cost you four of your children dying prematurely. It's going to cost you great division in your home and in your palace. David, I guarantee you, David, look back and say, that was not worth it. That wasn't honey. That wasn't honey. There is counterfeit honey out there. Let me just say this child of God, single people. Let me talk to the singles. That unsaved guy or that unsaved girl that starts batting their eyes at you, your number one job as a Christian is to be a witness to them, not to look to marry them while they're unsaved. And don't let the devil lie to you and say, yeah, but I'll get them saved afterward. The Bible talks about being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I'm here to tell you, though it may look like honey, Talk like honey, even (laughs) smell like honey. It's not honey if they're not saved. You shouldn't be dating them. I'm just giving you what the scriptures tell you. And there are these parties, okay. We've come through the holiday season. You probably needed this about three or four weeks ago. The company has the party, and oh, you know, it looks like honey, smells like honey. going to be a lot of honey going on there, but they got alcohol, they got drugs, there's all kinds of language, and it's a it's, it's a it's an event that you don't have to go to to get paid and to be part of your the uh, the big company there. Uh, but wait a minute, you go, and oh, unless you hold up your test, it's not going to be easy not honey, let alone these teenage parties. I mean, we had them when I was a kid. There were were parties there They looked like honey, but you got there, it wasn't honey. Now, please tell me I'm not losing you. There's a lot of counterfeit honey out there, a lot of it. Now, by the way, if you want to find out if it's real honey, Take the light of God's Word, and it, 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 the light of God's Word is a great decoder. You know, it looks like honey, it smells like honey, it's sweet, it's, I, I see the pleasure in it. Well, let's see, does it line up with being a, a Christian? Can I, can I maintain my Christianity, my testimony for the Lord? That'll answer a lot of questions. Next, second. If it's honey, eat so much as sufficient for thee. The area of self-restraint. You see, restraint is in order when honey is in hand. (laughs) I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to talk about the vomit later. The Apostle Paul said this in Corinthians. He said... All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. That word means necessary. And what he was saying there, he wasn't talking about all things in the sense of whatever I want to do. No, he said, There's a lot of honey out there, but it's not all necessary. Are you hearing me? There's a lot of honey for you and I to partake in, but it's just not all necessary. Um, I don't need to eat all of the honey that's available. Peter said it this way in 2 Peter chapter 2. He said, For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he in bondage to. Let me give it in our words. If there is something that overcomes me, that, that kind of rules me because of my appetites, well, I'm a slave to it. that's not good. And sometimes there are types of honey that can make us slaves. Video gaming. I mean, leisure can turn to laziness. Food can turn to gluttony. Uh, Pleasures, worldly pleasures, there's A Bible word in the New Testament, it's only mentioned one time. One time. It's called surfeiting. Surfeiting. How many of you pulled that one out of your vocabulary the past week, huh? You use that about as much as you use concupiscence. Yeah. You know, I try to avoid that concupiscence. (laughs) Sounds like a porcupine. Um, I love the King James Bible. I love it. I mean I'm learning words that I'll never use but it makes me sm- sound smart lasciviousness uh, anyways uh surfeiting the word ver- the word means excess Jesus said in Luke 21 I think it's verse 1 he said no no it's it's verse 30 I might have wrote it down Luke 21 34 I think uh I don't know. Oh, I didn't write it down. But it is in Luke 21, and I think it's verse 34. He says, uh, Take heed to your hearts, talking about those in the last days especially, unless surfeiting arise. Excess. Is there a nation of people that live in excess more than the American? Honestly, I mean, from, from your knowledge of world history, Right now, I mean, present time, modern day. I mean, England might. <laughs> but we, listen, it's there. We, we can continue to go back and eat more cake. It's there. Pleasure, it's there. I mean, they got things going on every day of the week to keep your kids occupied. Every single day of the week. They got things going on all the time to distract you from God's word, God's house, God's truth, and God's work. They do. And if discipline is not exercised, well, we know what's going to be neglected. Discipline is the watchword when you're able to enjoy honey. Paul, and I quoted this earlier this week, I think Wednesday. He understood his need to discipline himself in 1 Corinthians nine twenty three 23-27. This I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run, that ye may obtain. Now every man that uh, striveth for the mastery... It's temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. There it is. I keep under my body and bring it into sub- subjection, lest that by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul is saying I've got to exercise an element of discipline of the will to live the Christian life. We can't say, well, God just didn't give me the strength, well, God just didn't give me grace. Oh, no, 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 that's not going to fly. Not at all. See it's, it's the height of presumption to think God's going to do for you what He's already given you the ability to do. Y'all hearing me? Now listen, I, I, I'm not trying to be a killjoy. I want you to enjoy your honey, and I, I want to enjoy them. I needed this, because I love honey. I love honey. I love honey. I, lo- I love honey. Now, but the thing of it is, uh, I mean, I, I like to be entertained. I like the pleasures of life. I like to eat good food. I know you all, you're the same way. I've got to make myself feel better. The issue is not that there's not honey available. The issue is always excess. Excess. So, Proverbs 25, it's interesting. Down to verse 27, it said, It is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. And then we read again in verse 28, it's like Proverbs 25 has a theme to it, and that theme is moderation, temperance, self-restraint, discipline. Verse 28 says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Ladies and gentlemen, there's, there is a huge element of just personal discipline in the Christian life, whether you like it or not, there just is. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say some other things that I don't, I'm not trying to rub anybody wrong. This is just a reality. God, as I read my Bible and study my Bible, God never used a lazy man. He never called a lazy man into the ministry. Paul was a busy man even though he was a persecutor. Gideon was threshing wheat. David was taking care of the sheep. And God called busy people. I've learned this. I've just noticed this: when people with a developed discipline in their life get saved, they grow quicker. They learn quicker. They get involved quicker. That's just a reality. The good news is this. We can discipline ourselves. That's our responsibility. We're entering a new year, and it does require some discipline, self-discipline. Okay, I know that's not pleasant, that's not fun. Give me something that I don't have to do anything. Well, that's just not the Christian life. By the way, once Jesus paid for our salvation and took, made us eternally secure and got us in the family and provided us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and church fellowship, he says, no, now you're on your own. Now let's work. You call unto me, and I, your prayers, you need me. You keep calling, but as you're praying... If you can move those legs, move those legs. If you can move those arms, move those arms. If you can use that mouth, use that mouth. If you can use those hands, use those hands. If God has given you some ability to do something, you do it. All right. I was going to say this is going over like a lead brick, but I don't know for sure. I know that I need this. I need this. What was the big difference in Daniel's life? What was the big difference... As a young man, Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's honey. Was there honey available for Daniel? Well, lots of honey. He purposed not to eat the king's meat. And God blessed him. As a matter of fact, he outlived two kings. And he outlived a number of princes he lived on into his 90s and God gave him great revelation of the future. His life is renowned as a man of discipline. Even when they made the law about no praying to another god but the king. He went into his room, opened the window that headed toward the face Jerusalem. He got on his knees and he prayed three times a day as he did a four time. What are you saying there? I'm saying he had this habit of prayer. That's discipline. It takes discipline to take time to pray. It takes discipline to take time and open that book and read it. It takes discipline to meditate and memorize Scripture. That's it. I wish there was an easy formula, Formula, but I'm telling you, if you will discipline yourselves in these things that give more honey, oh, you will not regret it. That's where your soul is revived and refreshed. And I'm here to tell you, I love this quote. Borum said, It's every man's duty to earn his own self-respect. You will not find self-respect living in excess. On the contrary, you will lose your self-respect when you know in your heart, I live in the excess. I overindulge. I cannot control myself. That will affect your well-being, your conscience. And God didn't make us to be that way. He says, I'm giving you honey. Now put a knife to your throat if you be a man given to appetite. <laughs> okay. So you have free time. So right now you're not experiencing great crises. There's no great trial in your life right now. Well, first of all, God bless you. And I'm not going to be a pessimist, but it'll come. Just hang out and live a while. But no, praise the Lord for those times where, oh, the the problems aren't in my arena. They're in somebody else's, and I can be a blessing to them, and I don't have to worry about it. I mean, praise the Lord if you're experiencing a season of honey like that. I'm serious. We're supposed to rejoice with them that rejoice. If you're going through a season where, you know, things are going all right right now, good. Good. Enjoy it. but you will reap what you sow. So go be a blessing. I'm going to tell on myself. Don't say amen real loud, dear. I do have a... a, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I do have that to a degree. I I do have that. There's... This game, I like to play chess. And I like to win. I don't like to just play. I like to win. It's no fun to play if you can't win. I play real people. Their names are anonymous. But they are real people. Every once in a while, uh, I play a real good anonymous. I know they're real good because I can't beat them. And so I press, replay, replay, replay. And a couple hours later, I think, I'm getting angry. I'm getting rushed. I got things to do. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's driving me insane. Now I'm making irrational moves. And then then my wife says, honey, are you playing that game? No! And then I get flushed and embarrassed. Okay, I want to hear yours now. <laughs> Some of you want it's confession time. Let's get it out now. Let's get confession. Good for the soul. But that's excess. And honest to goodness, there have been times when it's almost made me vomit, the time I've wasted. I'm like, are you kidding? Now, my wife is doing everything she can not to give a loud amen right now. I know she is. I know she is. Because she doesn't have any indulgences. (laughs) Anyways... um, self-restraint. I want to read this. Can I read this? If you ever need a book that uh, will help give you a kick in the uh, backside to, to get your body under control, I've shared this before. I'm going to share it again. I love this. This is just the introduction to this book. It's called The Disciplined Life by Richard Taylor. If you'd like a copy, I do have a few extra copies. You can order them online. Listen to this. This is, this is just amazing, the, what he says. Discipline is what moderns need the most and want the least. Too often, young people who leave homes, students who quit school, husbands and wives who seek divorce, church members who neglect services, employees who walk out on their jobs, are simply trying to escape discipline. The true motive may often be camouflaged by a hundred excuses. But behind the flimsy front is the hard core of aversion to restraint and control. Much of our restlessness and instability can be traced to this basic fault in modern character. Our overflowing asylums and hospitals and jails are but symptoms of an undisciplined age. There may be many secondary causes and there may be many secondary cures, but somewhere behind them all is the need for discipline. The kind of discipline needed is far deeper than the rule of alarm clocks and time cards. It embraces self-restraint, courage, perseverance, and resiliency as the inner panoply of the soul. Many nervous and emotional disorders are the accumulated result of years of self-indulgent Living, I'm not thinking of the drunkards or the libertines, but of the respectable Christians who probably would be horrified at the thought of touching liquor or of indulging in gross immorality, but they are nevertheless undisciplined and the fatal weakness is unmasked in the day of trial and adversity." A lifelong pattern of running away from difficulties, of avoiding incompatible people, of seeking the easy way of quitting when the going gets rough, finally shows up in neurotic semi-invalidism and incapacity. Numerous books may be read, many doctors and preachers consulted. Innumerable prayers may be offered and religious commitments made. The patient may be inundated with drugs, advice, costly treatment, and spiritual scourgings. Yet none lay bare the real cause. Lack of discipline. Man, he's still got a half page to go. I am telling you what. What? Let's not, listen, we have God on our side. The Lord Jesus is our Savior. We're secure as Christians if we put our faith in Him. We have a foundation that we can fall on, a springboard to get back up every time we fall. But if we want to gain some self-respect and enjoy life to its fullest, we need to personally exercise discipline, the kind of discipline that helps us read and pray and meditate and work and stick it out when the going gets tough. And not wave the white, white flag of surrender every time life gets hard. Mercy. That's just introduction. Well, there's a third point. Well, hast thou found, honey, eat the, so much as sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and it? Authenticity, self-restraint, and excess. You know what's interesting? My wife and I. Well, this isn't interesting, but it's it's a memory. You ever had those Dunkin' powdered Dunkin' Donuts with the chocolate guts? Well, back in the day, they were much better than they are now. They done something. I don't know what they did to them, but you know what I'm talking. About? That powdered donut with the chocolate. We bought a dozen. We bought a dozen. We were heading to Cleveland. Do you remember this, dear? Okay. I mean, we were hungry, but Dunkin' Donuts just appealed, and we pulled in. Yeah, let's get a dozen of those things. We'll take our time. We'll exercise self-restraint. <laughs> we finally got to Cleveland, to my mother's house, and I think there were... There were there were some left. (laughs) I think there were two or three left. God is my witness! I pulled into the lot there. I told my wife. I said, "I'll never eat one of those things the rest of my life." (laughs) I feel sick, ill, nasty. It looked so tasty initially. And then something happened between number four and five. <laughs> I mean, I forced number five down, but it just didn't have the same taste as the other, and it, uh, I didn't vomit, but it wouldn't have taken much. I believe that's what the Wise man is telling us, lest I'll be filled therewith and vomit it. But let's bring this to another level. I find this fascinating. David, you read the life of David. He never backslid when he was in battle. He never backslid when he was under duress. He never backslid when he was faced with pressures all around him. You know when he backslid? When he was on top. When he was living in the honey. It was when he was living in the honey. Bathsheba. It was when he was living in the honey. Satan's able to provoke him and he counts the people. Two great errors that were very costly. And many of God's people, we don't have a problem in the trial. We know where to turn. We are pressed, like Paul said, beyond measure to stay close to Jesus. Maybe that's why God keeps some of us under that. I don't know, because he knows if I let you live on the mountaintop, you're just going to be excessive. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I do know, for me, often that's the difficult spot. We come through the holiday seasons, oh, things are going pretty good. And I mean, I don't wish bad on anybody. I do not, especially myself. I mean, you don't either. Wish you don't want bad to happen to anybody. You don't. We strive for comfort, but the reality is this. In our comfort, listen, are we still exercising some restraint? See, I'm talking about enjoying your honey. I'm talking about having that slice. Yeah. That was a good piece of triple chocolate cake. It filled me. I could probably eat some more, but better not. I enjoy playing this game, but you know, it's got its half-hour time limit. We're done now. I like recreation, we're going to take our time and do this, but you know, now it's got its time, and now it's time to go back to work. Enjoy your honey, but don't let it bring you to the place where you vomit. I conclude with this. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 4. Jonathan. I shared this a year or two ago. Jonathan, Saul's son, goes to battle. He and his armor bearer. There's 20 Philistines he's going to go to battle with. And for some odd reason, God tells us that he walks between two sharp rocks. God wants us to know this detail, and God gives us the names of these rocks. There's a reason God did that. One of them is called Bozes, and the other is called Cena. Those of you that are looking at 1 Samuel 14.4, am I correct? Okay. Bozes is on one side and Cena is on the other side. And God wants us to know, God wants us to know that Jonathan and his armor bearer are walking between those rocks as he goes to battle against these 20 Philistines. Uh, years ago, as I was doing a thorough study through 1 and 2 Samuel, I remember, oh, let's do a little word search here. And this was kind of amazing. See if I get this right. Uh, Boses. Boses means shiny. Cena means thorny. I may have that backwards, but the application is this: in our vernacular, one of those rocks was described as thorny and the other was shiny. And God wanted us to know that John, Jonathan walked through those to battle. Uh, some people let the thorny things derail them. And then other people let the shiny things derail them. God says, I've got honey. I want you to enjoy life. But moderation. Moderation in all things. That's how we get through this life. That's how we get through. Father, may you bless the message. Thank you for your word. May your Holy Spirit help us. Help us to be disciplined, to exercise discipline, to work on our own personal discipline this year. It'll always be a battle to bring our body into subjection. But how necessary it is if we're going to give you glory, if we're going to really enjoy life. Help us. And help us stay humble. Lord, may your spirit stir people to decisions that would profit them in this way. Father, we love you. May you bless the invitation. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian, come on up. We'll sing a song of invitation.